Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 513, where we save everyone whether they deserve it or not. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. How about you? Hanging in there. <laughs> rough week at work? Oh, it's been a rough couple of weeks. Record high COVID numbers two weeks in a row. Yeah. I've uh, I've tried my 14-day my, uh, my trial sample of 2022, and I'd like to return the unused portion for a full <laughs> refund. <laughs> I'm not impressed. I think you're three days too late. Yeah. No! <laughs> yeah. You have to return by the 14th. Sorry. Always a catch. Uh, did you guys watch anything in our uh, break? Well, it took me several uh, s- several pieces, but I finally got through all uh, of the uh, the Beatles Get Back from Peter Jackson on Disney+. Plus. If you are a fan, you will enjoy it. If you are not, it is going to test your patience. <laughs> um. I, I find it enjoyable, but it's a little self-indulgent. You know, Peter Jackson and whatnot. And then uh, Mel and I uh, finally got to see the new Matrix movie, which uh, I've been joking is the new R of the Matrix because they, they pulled another. I cannot, as we've said many times with these Dalek titles in the latter half of the classic Who run, I cannot remember which titles go to what, and the Matrix does the same thing to me now, and there's three of those. I cannot remember the names of Reloaded and whatever the other two are. So, <laughs> we finally got to see the new one, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was very cool and clever, and it's very meta, and dealt with the impact of the first movie, the, the kind of the cultural impact of it, and worked that into the narrative, um, but did it in such a way that, you know, uh, the, the Matrix was such a let's mess with your mind. They 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 definitely played up that element of it, but I can also see why people are not happy. Um, it, it's not a big 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 action movie. There's action in it, but it's not not to the level that the previous films were. So I can see why why some people are not uh, not having a good time with it. But I thought it was I thought it was fairly brilliant. I really enjoyed it. It's not perfect. Not by a long stretch, but I'll have a more detailed review up on uh, Clicks with Friends soon. Well, I might have to give it a shot then, because the reviews I saw were not good at all. <laughs> Calling it the worst of the sequels, or, you know, if somebody tweeted that they wished it was the only sequel, so there'd only be one bad sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that's, I Personally, I think that's really harsh. I think it's... It might be... I don't know if it's as, it's, I think it's on par with two. It's definitely, it's definitely better than three for sure. But I, I've always maintained that three was the worst of the, of the batch. None of them are going to hold a candle to the first one. But no, I think everyone maintains that three is the worst. What about you, Glenn? Do you do anything? Um, I can't remember if I talked about this last time we watched in Encanto. I guess I didn't since nobody's going, yeah, we heard. <laughs> um, oh. It was good. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the music uh, a lot. It's very far from being one of the best Disney films, but I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not on that bandwagon of greatest greatest film of all time, like a lot of people seem to be right now, but uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And then uh, last night I watched um, Being the Ricardos with... Uh, it's the story of I Love Lucy and the the one week <laughs> it takes place over the course of one week. Uh, and in, in that one week is when uh, I can't remember the there was a radio host that after Lucy had been cleared from the um, cleared by the board on uh, the, the, the communist board that were, you know, investigating in the 1950s, all the different actors and whatnot. Uh, after she got cleared by that, somebody else. Oh, House on American. That's it. That's it. Yeah. House on American Activities Committee. Uh, somebody had a radio host, I think, had brought up something about her being uh, a communist, and because and there was some details as to why. Well, apparently she had, when she was 
growing up, her uncle was a member of the Communist Party, but in its early days, before, you know, when it was more of helping people and blah, blah, blah. And so she checked the box because that was kind of how she was raised, that you help other people. And when the Communist Party became what it became, you know, she obviously disevolved uh, any real connection to it. But she had this one document out there that had a check mark on it. So they wait like an entire week. And, of course, you can tell it's, it's you know, they're, they're waiting for the shoe to drop, like the, the press to really get a hold of it. And anybody and nobody's been writing about it, nobody's been writing about it. And, of course, there's all of this other drama going on throughout the course of the week. And, you know, day one, you know, Monday is the table read, Tuesday. So each day there's something happening and more drama building up. And all along she's, you know, accusing uh, Desi, who was another article that came out that Desi was... Uh, you know, sleeping around or whatever. And uh, turns out the picture they used was one that Lucy was actually there. So she knew that it wasn't, you know, a legitimate picture. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, it, it goes on and, and and on night five, when they're getting ready to record the show, is when they find out that, oh, everybody has picked up on the story. So but it's really, really good. Um, Nicole Kidman is a spot on Lucille Ball. She's got the voice. She's got the mannerisms. She's even somewhat got the look. Um, it was a little bit harder for me to see um, um, Javier. Uh, what's his name? Bardem. Thank you, Javier Bardem, as uh, uh, Ricky or as Desi. But I think he also pulled it off with his like kind of the 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 mannerisms that that Desi had. He certainly had those nailed. And at, at some points he would do these really quick, uh, he was really quick with a word. And I think that that was very much in Desi's character as well, where, and, and by that, I mean, I, anybody can read a script quickly, but he was very much, his timing, I guess is what I'm looking for, was very much on par with Desi, not only his TV personality, but his behind the scenes personality. So I, 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 you can completely buy that they were, you know, the the characters they were portraying. So it was really good. I would I would recommend it. It's streaming on uh, Amazon Prime right now, and I think I think Nicole Kidman's got a SAG nomination now for that. Oh. I don't remember if Javier Bardem got one, but anyway, highly recommend it. That was written and directed by Sorkin, right? Yes. Or did yes. he just write it? No, I think he directed it as well. Well, I didn't watch anything, but I finished a book entitled The Apollo Murders, which was written by Chris Hadfield, the astronaut. Ooh, I remember hearing something about that when it came out. It was pretty good. It's more, much more of a, a spy space thriller than like a, a space sci-fi. I mean, it's, it's set in the Nixon era and... There's not re- there's a little bit of playing with the the truth, but just a little bit, and in, in order to tell the story he's trying to tell. But there's not like advanced technology or anything, so it's very different from what I expected in that regard. But overall, the story is pretty good. He gets a little bogged down sometimes, especially in the beginning on the mechanics of flights and how you know some of the the technical aspects of flying happens and how it works. But once they kind of take off and get to the the space shuttle or the Apollo taking off and then getting to the moon and all of this other stuff, it really picks up the pace and gets a lot more interesting. Hmm. He's going to have to get to that first part of it first, which is a lot of of setup, but it it pretty much all pays off and has a pretty good resolution too. And leaves it in a place where he could almost write a sequel, so I'd be intrigued to see if he does. Huh. I'd recommend it. It's nothing. I, I was hoping for something along the lines of Andy Weir and The Martian or Project Hail Mary, and it it fell short of that just because I, the way he wrote it was almost too technical. Whereas Andy Weir writes it technically, but at a level where the layperson can understand it pretty mm. easily. This one takes a little bit. And it's like jargon, jargon, jargon. Okay, let's move on. Whatever. <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, 
and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, well, should we move on to our review? Shadow of the Daleks, one. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Shadow of the Daleks, Volume 1. Hello! Is there anyone out there? I can hear you. Why can't I see you when I can hear you? Mummy, look! Well, that wasn't there a moment ago. You can see it. It's not just me. I've never seen anything like it. <sighs> Sorry to disturb you. Uh, can I ask for directions? Where on earth did you come from? I was looking for the Adelaide Oval. Are you mocking me, sir? No need for the sir. I'm the doctor. The last time we toured Australia, the crowds were vile. I vowed then to bring those animals to heal. To overpower their weakness with my strength until the universe kneels before the might of the Dalek Empire. This is your captain speaking. Welcome to Interstellar Flight B19. Well, this all looks perfectly civilized. Not exactly what I'd expect from the Daleks. So, where are they? This is a passenger announcement. If there are any medical professionals on board, could they please come to the bridge immediately? These men were electrocuted. They're dead? Exterminated! So it's happening here too. There's nothing you can do, Doctor. You can't escape the inevitable. Yes, thank you for that. I knew there was something wrong about him the moment he stumbled in. I mean, he, he seemed confused and helpless. Hello, I, I'm... Oh dear. But I knew he threatened us all. You're scared because you're getting closer to the window. Why? What's out there? The storm. Yes. A storm raging through all of time. A storm or a shockwave. Let him give me a hand with the props, Virgilio. You can concentrate on the words and he can do the acting. Do I have any say in the matter? Very well, Doctor, you're on. Not bad going, Doctor. Seen Shifter to lead in two minutes. As if I didn't have enough on my mind. Is it just me, or has the stage shrunk? Not to mention the room. Doctor! So much for Doctor Theatre. Big finish. We love stories. Not again. Can't breathe. Oh, he's off again. Aimed at the body. An encounter with a notorious cricketing legend should be right up the Doctor's street but the unexpected appearance of an old enemy is about to send the Doctor on a quest. This one's okay. It's an intriguing start to the box sets. Yes. Or the main range, I guess we should say, because these were, as it was part of the main range, right? Yes, yeah, these were the kind of the near the end uh, within the last five, I think, of the main range. It's, um, <clears throat> I don't want to put this... Well, first of all, it's intriguing to actually <laughs> have a, a a cricket backdrop <laughs> for the Fifth Doctor. There's, 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 there's a tiny little part of me that was, you know, kind of screaming internally at last because I, I don't, other than Black Orchid, I can't think of many that actually have that. Um, ironically, the one main cricket one was Fourth Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And so, uh, so that that element of it was kind of cool. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of desperate pieces here that kind of don't seem to work together because of the mystery that's that it's setting. It's 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 basically all set up. So maybe it's unfair to look at the story that way. Um, you know, we, we're we're in Australia and we're lost in the wilderness, and then there's some Daleks running around, or maybe there aren't. 
and we, we, we set up the mystery of who these people are. And there's a subplot of this uh, vengeful bowler, which I didn't do the, the, the back... Uh, the backstory. Does anybody know if there's some historical truth to this guy? Or I, I did. assume there is. Yeah, I, I assume look. there is. But um, which, which all of which was interesting. Um, but it, it felt like a, a story that, in and of itself, maybe needed to be fleshed out. If if you know this was going to be a, a its thing, um, but as a um, you know baiting the hook, as it were, it's okay. It, 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 it intrigued me enough to go, okay, well, let's get to the next one and, and see what's up. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think that's that's really the purpose of this one specifically. Whereas the other ones are a little bit more standalone and add to the mystery, this one really doesn't feel like there's a resolution to the story presented. It just feels like it's a, okay, and now we go off and we're going to figure this out sort of thing. And that's kind of why it doesn't it's hard to review this individual story is because there isn't a resolution until we get to the very end of everything right i think i i disagree with that well no i agree with what you're saying but i think that some of the stories we'll find have better endings and resolutions than others um yeah, so i think I that agree. i think they can sort of I think most of them do stand on their own, but this one, yeah, I kind of treated this one as a prologue this time. Well, here's my, the difficulty for me is this is the second time around for me on these two uh, box sets. And so it's really kind of a struggle coming back and re-listening to them, knowing where it's going because all of the mystery and intrigue is gone. Um, I was able to kind of focus on the acting and the portrayal and, 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 and all of that kind of stuff this time. But the, the mystery and intrigue that I remember from this story the first time was just completely gone, knowing where, knowing what, you know, who these people are, knowing where this, this story ends up. And, uh, so I treat this one as kind of a prologue because that's what it really kind of felt like both times that I listened to it. Um, and you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't end. But it's it's enough to kind of wet our uh, uh, to wet our appetite as to okay who are these people and, and there's something something to miss here and I think also peppering in the the Daleks ever so slightly into this story and then and then this will happen again uh, for for some of the the following stories I think it was a clever thing to do uh, because it kept you from going okay it's it kept you from from finishing this story and going okay that was just utter crap because it didn't it didn't resolve there they didn't really give it having knowing that the box set is shadow of the daleks one and then peppering in the daleks was enough to make me think okay this isn't the end of this story this is just the setup and so that's why i sort of say i sort of treated this as a prologue both times that i listened to it oh sure uh, yeah I, I don't disagree with you there glenn i, I don't want to um yeah, I'm not disparaging the story in and of itself for not having a resolution since it is very purposely designed to be that prologue. Um, it's just, as Keith said, it's difficult to review it with any sense of, you know, when, when you look at a story with a beginning, middle, and end, it doesn't have the other parts of it. It's just kind of the beginning and the start of the mystery. It's just enough to let the Doctor know something's afoot. Yeah. And he has to go off and unfortunately the rest of the foot is we never really find out any more about these particular characters at right. least with some of the rest of them you know we do get a resolution of sorts but the, these just kind of disappear into the ether and we're done with them so well i mean he does kind of wonder if these versions of the characters were even ever here or if they're all still tobacco and you know in Sydney doing their own thing like they're supposed to be doing. So I mm -hmm. kind of I kind of took that away as, oh, well, that's probably what's going on. These are some weird shadow versions of them or whatever. And kind of moved on from there and got, took that as a resolution, even though it's not explicitly stated, just theorized. Echoes. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one. Lightspeed. The trail has led the Doctor to a spaceship in the far future, where he finds himself trapped in the middle of a terrifying revenge plot. 
Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this one was a lot better. This one was a lot yes. better than the first one than the first one because this one actually has mostly a cohesive story going on uh, and somewhat a res- resolution. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoy the idea of a <laughs> bad guy somewhere seeking revenge on the doctor and taking advantage of utilizing a onboard computer with a mission to not kill the doctor, but kill everybody on board and make him watch or, or, you know, only for the, uh, whatever his name to deal with him later, which I thought was really, really a neat premise to this. And then adding on to it, the, uh, escaped prisoner, the uh, really, really <laughs> fun and clever uh, uh, flight attendant, and then the the Monsignor, who is with the guy who has, you know, snuck aboard these uh, uh, metal-eating eggs uh, and machinery-eating eggs. I, I just, I, it was really neat, really intriguing. Uh, you never knew where this one was going because it seemed like every time the doctor would get them out of one situation, they'd move into a next, you know. They, they're they heading towards the, uh, uh, you know, he, get, he gets them uh, going, but they can't slow down. And then they're headed towards an event, uh, event horizon or a black hole. And before they get the event horizon, they're going to sling a shot around and, you know, change trajectory that way. It was just uh, everything that, that kept happening was a twist and turn right after another. And I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, I like the idea that, especially with the fifth Doctor, I mean, we've kind of explored this in other big Finnish stories, but the idea that there's this enemy that's taking, exacting his revenge on the Doctor, and the Doctor isn't doesn't know what's happened. He doesn't yeah. know why. Yeah. The backward time travel of that, I really enjoyed. Plus, the idea that, like you were saying about the implanting it in the computer i also got the impression that it was just a virus that's out there in the universe everywhere yeah yeah not the only time you might encounter it that's even cooler well i think being one random ship i think you're right and i think it alludes to that in the story as well yeah yeah because he asked the the escaped convict to you know if she can undo the virus pretty much yeah this is uh, 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 Jonathan Morris, who is responsible for several of our favorite uh, uh, previous run uh, audio adventures, both in the Eighth Doctor range and uh, uh, the Destiny of the Doctor Babblesphere, which I believe we all liked. Um, and this this story is really just kind of a perfect example of how to do it right. You are given this roller coaster ride of one-upmanship, whereas Glenn said every every time you think you you have something figured out, oh that was just this problem, that we actually have this new problem now to 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 deal with, and oh we've got to get oh no now there's another new problem and it was just one after another after another, including the oh let's get the TARDIS out of the way. <laughs> Which turns out to be a mere subplot amongst the, the 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 machinations that are going on, all of which is wonderful. And the fact that the Doctor is dropped into this adventure and it is a footnote for somebody else—it's it's it's not his adventure; it's another Doctor's adventure, and he's just kind of the recipient of it—is uh, kind of an added bonus. They give you all the information you need, even and and anything that you don't get, well, that's okay because it's not important for this story. Maybe you'll get it down the road, and that's the beauty of the wibbly wobbly nature of the, of the time traveler. Um, so this is an example of I didn't need all all the missing pieces because it was just enough to promise me that yeah they're out there somewhere. <laughs> we'll, we'll get around <laughs> to it at some point. I just, I just needed to know that they were out there. Okay, cool. Let's go. Um, all the characters were great. The setups were great. Um, it, it, it was just a, a, an insane ride with it was so much fun to listen to uh, and a lot of high energy. And I had to stop myself and think, okay, was it, was it mere setting? Do I just happen to enjoy Doctor Who more when it's in a spaceship versus a Australian wilderness with a cricket player? You know, <laughs> was, that, was I really not being fair to the first film because this one just spoke to me more or not? Uh, and I still don't have an answer to that, but man, I had fun with this one. And I loved the misdirection 
where uh, the, the, the Monsignor, and we get this little bit of information that, well, he's got these eggs in his private collection. Okay, knowing that this is part of a box set dealing with Daleks, and we say eggs, okay, we know what's coming, right? Because Moffat gave us that in the one, and you're not going to fool me twice. Because we did that in Asylum of the Daleks, where it was eggs, sterminate. Yeah, no, I'm on to you, Jonathan Morris. You're not going to pull the wool over my eyes. I know what's in that crate. And it's these metal monsters, these things that come out and they eat the ship. Oh, well, damn, that's a whole nother problem I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> I guess you did pull one over on me. Okay. So, yeah, it just uh, it just went places I wasn't expecting. I loved it for it. Yeah, yeah. And it was high energy too, whereas the first story was kind of slower pace, and this was just constantly moving and going to the next thing and the next thing. It felt like it was more of a modern almost um, story with the Fifth Doctor in it. Yeah, it felt very new who in a way. The pacing. Yeah, very much so. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. The Bookshop at the End of the World. It's very easy to forget yourself and get lost in a bookshop, but in some bookshops more than most. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I enjoyed this one as well. This is another one that I really don't feel like completely resolves itself at the end, but the performances and the way that this is written I thought was really good because I, I liked the idea that this was being this was had been done by a uh from the perspective of, you know, the, the the people in the shop with the exception of the doctor or the narrators. Like they would be there'd be some action or there'd be something, you know, taking place in the story, and then you would get that kind of inner dialogue or that monologue of uh, you know, the, the kind of addressing the, the listener, uh kind of filling them in on the on the 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 real thing or the feelings that they were having at the time. So I thought that was kind of a neat way to do it. Um and the, the idea that these people are here because they're on this ship that, the you know, the filter has been uh, set so that they suppresses all their memories and whatnot. I thought that was kind of a neat premise as well. I like the fact that the, the, the whole idea of the bookshop and what she's done with it makes it, at least it's implied is a sanctuary, like a sanctuary yeah. from the time war that's yeah. going on outside. Although it's not explicitly ever said that it's the time war that's happening. It's pretty clear that's what's going on. Cause that's really the only connection to Daleks in this entire story is whatever war is going on outside. Yeah. The fact that these people got trapped in this bookshop because of this filter of someone trying to make things better, uh, is I thought was a pretty cool idea, and so it's a lot of interesting character dynamics and and relationships to explore, and then the discovery of oh we, we're not actually ourselves here because we forgot who we really were, and I do feel like we kind of got resolution uh, while the situation for several of the characters at the very least resolved itself, and they left the were able to find agency enough to leave the bookshop and go back to their normal lives of whatever it was going to be. And I felt that was a satisfying enough resolution for me anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was enjoying the mystery of this one, uh, the, the the characters. And I, I was, you know, again, implied that the time war was outside. Um, but I couldn't quite put my finger on what exactly was happening inside until we get to this reveal. And what a reveal. What what a very, you know, nifty twist that it's it's the simple act. There's, there's nothing you know, nefarious. It's the, it's just a, we're trying to make it better and well, kind of screwed it up. And that's what caused all this. So that, you know, even the doctor was hit with it and it was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. You know, that, uh, that, it, that it wasn't some big, uh, um, you know, bad guy master plan. Yeah. 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 And I thought it had really good character performances too. And all the actors who obviously we've, we come to recognize their voices at this point because they're the same actor in every single story. But they, you, I have to say, throughout the entire box set, all of the characters, they performances were unique enough that I could tell it was the same actor, but it, you could, uh, it was obvious that it was a different character. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that this one, I think, illustrated that 
fact, this particular story illustrated that fact the best. And I think each of the uh, performers in this one gave their best performance in this story of this entire box set uh, because you could really kind of feel the dramatic moments about it. You could kind of feel the emotion that they were. And, I, and the story that's being told helps that, but I think that they all did a phenomenal job uh, with the, their performances in this one. All right. Well, and the last one in this set. Interlude. The play is the thing, or is it? The doctor is roped into a theatrical spectacular, but who is really? who is he really performing to? This one's a little more difficult to pin down, I think. <laughs> there were elements of it that I really enjoyed. And then the overall plot, I don't know that it worked for me. I would agree. It, mm-hmm. This particular story makes me think of, have you ever had those, maybe, well, have you ever had that dream where you're an actor in a play and you're, it's opening night and you realize that A, you've not memorized the script and B, you have no idea what is happening in this play. And all of this stuff kind of culminates. And you have that just real panicked anxiety about it all. I had that in this whole thing for the doctor. And knowing that he was getting ready to go on stage unprepared for something that, you know, kept as it kept rushing along. Now, he handles it much better than I would have or have ever in any of my dreams. But I just this the story kept giving me that same anxiety that that dream that I would have gave me as well. So it was it was a bit difficult to listen to when we got to the performance part of it, you know, when they were there, they were getting ready to, to give the performance to the to the uh, the Duke. Uh, yeah, so it was, just, it was it was really hard for me to get around that anxiety I felt as I was listening to this both times. I think it's a pretty clever kind of take on, you know, the man in the iron mask. And it's kind of a, I was intrigued by this new Florence that they're, you know, obviously it's a new timeline of some sort, or we assume it is until we learn what really is happening. So I was, I was really intrigued and a little disappointed that they didn't explore a lot more of the changes of what's happened. That the doctor didn't try to dig into what's going on a little bit more. But then, by the resolution, I can understand why they didn't right. go that direction either. Right. Yeah, I, this is one that I mean, obviously. For time constraints, you couldn't, but I definitely feel like maybe this one should have been pulled out of this box set and allowed to be a normal um, four-part story. Um, because I feel like there was a lot that could have been explored here that we, we, we just didn't get because of the time constraints of, well, you've got half an hour, go tell this story and just... You can set it in whatever time frame you want. Um, so the, you know, the, the, the rapidly shrinking room and things of that nature, I was like, there, there could have been, I just felt like there could have been more to it. And instead it was the, the very truncated nature of it that I, I feel like maybe added to my disquiet of it. Maybe not. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I think. I frequently say that I want more and you guys are like, nah. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I can, I can see that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come away from it thinking that but i can see that now and i can i i think i think i agree with you on that i think that 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 it if if it the the concept is is clever and so i think if you could flesh it out and just make it its own encapsulated story it might work better yeah i think i think digging into a lot of the ideas more and spreading out kind of what's happening it did feel kind of rushed and special in the resolution i mean when i get the idea that a bubble pops a bubble pops it's not like it takes its time to pop but right it still feels like it was kind of a oh, okay now we're done <laughs> like i could have used a little bit more exploration of why and how it happened i think maybe it it, it almost uh the idea of this uh, uh bubble of time and these repeating people being trapped in it almost feels like the story that was originally conceptualized for this that they went oh well that could kind of work over here so then that had to be changed to fit into this uh, uh multiple person uh, oh what am i trying to say the the repeating people of the the dalek story arc 
and that maybe it wasn't necessarily part of the original story of Time Bubble. And mm-hmm. that overlaying the two together in some ways created some happy accidents, and in other ways it's like, oh, that doesn't really fit with that, but I can see where you shoehorned it in there. Um, maybe not. I, I just it, it almost to me feels like that it, it, this story doesn't serve the greater whole as well as maybe they think it would have yeah and i know that um i think it was john dorney that was the one that kind of set forth the outline for this entire set but i didn't i don't remember i listened to the interviews i didn't this time but i listened to them last night i don't remember dan starkey saying i mean there was a couple of authors that specifically said that they had this had an idea for a story and were able to work it in to this premise and I, but I don't remember Dan saying that. So I don't know if maybe he ha- maybe he did have a bigger idea or a different idea for a one-off. And then when this came up, they said, well, can you, you know, make this around it? He didn't, he didn't indicate that in any of the interviews that I remember, but he might have. I don't think he came out and said it, but I think he kind of implied that he had at least the germ of an idea. Maybe not as fleshed out as the other stories had been uh, that got tweaked to fit into this, but at least the idea was previously existing, I think. Yeah. It just kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Village of the Angels. That that one, you know, they, they, they obviously took advantage of certain elements of that existing story to work flux into it. But I suspect that that story, had it been presented without the Flux framework at all, would have worked just as well, possibly even better, without any of the Flux stuff, uh, you know, to to deal with. I think yeah. it, I think it would have. It, it's it's that strong of a story, and I feel yeah. like the potential for this one is kind of maybe of that. Maybe not on par with that, but I, I think it had that same kind of oh, what could have been if this wasn't shoehorned into this other thing but like I said it's not that it's bad and I, I, I certainly don't blame Dan Stark or anything I just I wanted a little bit more of uh, of what was going on as opposed to oh it's just another in this here, here's some more repeated people <laughs> well I think that uh, this was our first Dan Starkey story that we've listened to I think so he's written some other ones but we just haven't done those yet yeah looking forward to more This episode of Traveling the Vortex is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with thousands of titles to choose from. And you're listening to this podcast, so we know you're a fan of Doctor Who. And guess what? They have lots of Doctor Who audiobooks to choose from. Newer titles like Doctor Who The Ruby's Curse by Alex Kingston and Doctor Who At Childhood's End by Sophie Aldred. You can also listen to titles from Big Finish's Doctor Who audio range. And Audible has audiobooks of the Doctor Who Target novelizations and much more. To sign up for a free one-month trial, just go to audibletrial.com slash travelingthevortex. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash travelingthevortex. Sign up today. All right, well, let's move on to the second one, second box set. Shadow of the Daleks 2. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who. Shadow of the Daleks, Volume 2. What are you doing in my laboratory? Now, now, come on. There's no need for that. There he is. Look. My darling son. Oh, he really is dead. Did you think it was a joke of some sort? It wouldn't have surprised me. You know how he likes to be the centre of attention. Now, I need to find out what I meant to each of you in order to determine the identity of the murderer. You mean you plan to solve your own murder? Exactly. What in the name of... You can step in and help at any time, by the way. Been a while since I used a broadsword. Oh. Look at that. I'm better than I remember. You're saying this is a little more complicated than just a crash? Yes. You see, this isn't the first time we've met. I've recently encountered several people who look like you over and over again, spread out across the whole history of time and space. That's amazing, but weird. Perhaps. 
I think there's more to it than that. What's worrying you so much? Something called a Dalek. Stay where you are! All right, we're not going anywhere. What are they? Can't you guess? Surely the voice is a clue. Robots? No, mutations. There's organic life inside those shells, not that you'd notice. Even if they're as violent as you say, they can't be that much of a threat. You'd be surprised. Obey or you will be exterminated! But the shields are holding for now. I'll boost them as much as possible. Lock the doors. Well, somebody didn't pay their electricity bill. It's still rebooting. Low on power. Whatever the Daleks are up to, it's the cause of all this, I'm sure of it. And speaking of Daleks, that's the door locked. They can't get in. Status report! Time Lord and three unknown humanoids located. Destroy the Time Lord and the humanoids. Exterminate! Exterminate the Time Lord! Uh, right. So, I think the idea is that I'm supposed to just get on with it now. Apologies, then, to uh, those of you who are still listening. I suppose there are some of you out there. Listening? It's really rather hard to tell from here. Big Finish. We love stories. Echo Chamber. It's the radio talk show where everyone's free to call in with their opinions. Time to welcome its host, the Doctor. Bum, bum, bum. I very much enjoyed this one. I, I, I Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I remember liking this one the first time around. But the second time I listened to it, and I think it goes back to the, the fact that I know where the this all ends up uh, the, leading to. And I think that... Again, this is one that I think the premise was smart. I think that the performances are, are well done, but it has one of those. I think what I liked about it the first time is it had one of those uh, just yank the rug out from under you and kind of get a little bit meta at the end uh, endings. And so I like that at the time, but coming back and re-listening to it, it doesn't it doesn't work as a it doesn't at all work. Some of these work as a you know, second time, good, just as good the second time through. This one does not work as well for me that way. So I, I'm a little bit probably biased because of that. Mm -hmm. I thoroughly me, enjoyed it and the the change in the in the kind of format. I, I like the the concept and the meta ness of it. Yeah, for me, I mean, it, when it starts, it's kind of the oh, big finish is doing something clever again you know because we've had other well how can we really lean into the fact that this is audio um and, and so doing it in a radio station is like okay i kind of see where we're going with this but then as the story went on it became very obvious that where i thought they were going to go with it was not where we were going with it and uh, you know, they pull the rug out from under you there at the end and it was like oh okay yeah i mean it, it just it, it was very clever and very uh, um, it was witty it was really it was just it was it was just a very cleverly written um, uh, piece of work and I enjoyed how it was how it was produced to give it a unique take on it and you know kind of change up the style and so I can see where you're coming from Glenn though I think if we went back and re to the down the road I can see where maybe because now that I'm used to it and I know what to expect, that it wouldn't enamor me quite as much the second go around. But um, but this time around, I, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was just really cool. And part of it kind of gave me a, a Ninth Doctor Season 1 kind of feel to it with the, uh, like the, the Mighty Jaggerfest and stuff. It kind of well, had that feel once it kind of revealed what's going on. The first time that I listened to it, I had kind of in mind that it was Satellite 5 and that it was early on in the Daleks uh, taking control of it in order to use the, as, you know, the, to, to project their, their message and hide behind it uh, until their big invasion at the, big, at the end. And so I completely thought when they said this, these people were hooked up to these things, I completely envisioned that it was Satellite 5 or something similar to that. 
And uh, yeah, it, it completely sparked that from the I think the long game, and then uh, well, Bad Wolf was was or yeah, Bad Wolf I think was the last one. So I had the same thought. I totally bought when he when he said the station. I went, oh, it's Satellite Five, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Toward zero, the doctor finds himself in an old country house where he has to solve a very unusual murder, his own. <laughs> this is another dun 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 for me. Uh, yeah, this one's I think one of the best on this box set, especially because it's very unique. It's very much a you know country house Agatha Christie murder mystery story, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. It has sort of some of the tropes of it, but it's like it almost like it's taking several different murder mystery stories and just cramming them all together. And giving you all of the different, you know, scenarios and and, and the fact that he's, you know, dying over and over again and, and the different methods that each one of them would have for it. The doctor going to each one of them, you know, just very much, per, uh, oh, uh, Herc, uh, Perot. Uh, and so it just, it was very fun and unique in the way that they told the story and that you didn't, I mean, it it unraveled the idea of a murder mystery is what it did. It, it turned everything on its head and it made it that much more fun because you could tell that the actors were kind of hamming it up because of the type of story that it was. And I really, I thoroughly enjoyed that because it, it very much put you in mindset of that, you know, pulp mystery model novel. Uh, so I really liked that. I thought that was, it was a lot of fun. And, and the resolution of it is, good it's it's seemingly the right way to go with it but you know I, overall I, I just i liked it i thought it was a lot of fun yeah i it, it was um again another one of those that kind of subverted the expectations a little bit because it it felt like it was going to be one thing and then it turned out to be something different and every time you thought you had had it pegged and it was like oh this is going to be that story then it, it would change it up again on you and uh, eventually, as with, with all of them, I just kind of get to that one point in the story where my brain finally gives up. And it's like, just sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> all these things. And uh, uh, this one came a little bit sooner, I think, than, than, than the rest of them. Uh, and it was, it was just a hoot uh, to listen to. And uh, as the, you know, the repeating deaths started and it, it, it became a matter of, well, who did kill him? You know, and and we begin to realize that there's more going on than than even what the doctor initially thought, and uh, another clever twist to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just just a, just a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have both said, and even the, the resolution. Well, as kind of simple as it is, of just getting to the TARDIS and leaving, I, it worked for me. I felt like it. Okay, that kind of solves the problem and i'm i'm okay with it and it kind of expands on the the interlude story a little bit and the mechanics of that in a new and different direction which i thought worked really well too in the scope of the box set here here well let's do the next one castle hydra Nearing the end of his journey, the doctor enters a jail filled with familiar faces. But who are the prisoners, and who are the wardens? Uh, okay, so... The the ending, the, 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 the twist reveal of this one, with the fact that they, they've been pulling people out of their time streams, and that they are now, you know, next to this uh, psychic field amplifier or whatever. That part of it was cool. That was a really nifty nugget of an idea that I wish had been explored a little bit further. Everything else about this was honestly a little torturous to get through. <laughs> hmm. it, it, it just... It... It felt like a retread. It felt like we. It felt like we were moving backwards. It was like, oh, we're in a castle. We're doing this. It's another 
Oh, that I have my face. Uh, I, I don't know. It just it felt like it borrowed elements of several different big finished stories that we've listened to before. Um, and I don't know. Maybe I was just starting to grow tired of the, you know, let's hurry up and get to the end. By this stage, I'm not sure. But uh, for the for me, this one didn't really work. See, for me, it felt like it was starting to pull the threads together. Like it doesn't pull them all the way together, but it's it's starting the the process of pulling all the threads from the previous stories to try to interlink them and move towards our resolution. And so for me, you know, what was going on in the castle, and I kind of figured early on, well, these people are taking people out of their time stream, blah blah blah. And while it was interesting, I could see where I, I was. What kept me interested in in the story was more so where it was going to go and how it was going to tie everything together towards the climax or building to the climax of the final story. Yeah, I agree with everything Keith said about it. I also like the, uh, I thought it was very atmospheric and very creepy and it kept me thinking, what would I think if I had come in contact with somebody that had my face? I think that would be, genuinely would mess with your head and i think that the story conveys that really well and i agree i i I think this was kind of the the way that we were widening out broadening out especially the fact that now we have people not only is the doctor seeing the same faces over and over again but the people that are the faces are now seeing more of the same faces over and over again and so it, it kind of feels like it's widening out and getting ready to set up the big finale if anything, I felt like this one could have used a little bit more to delve into more of the ideas of what's going on. This is I agree with. Yeah. Dig out, dig, dig into kind of the reveals instead of being so kind of rushed to move through things. This one, and, and I know for a fact, because I did listen to the, her talk about this, but um, uh, Lizzie Hopley, who wrote this, she did say that she had this idea um, mm-hmm. before she was approached for this and that's so she worked her idea into that and i i sort of uh, agree i think that this one is one that could have been uh you know tweaked and broadened out a little bit and made more uh sense of the story and i think it would have worked a lot better as a standalone and not part of this but another great thing about it was angelie mohindra's performance between Moira and Alice, it's it's obviously the same person, yeah. but she gave such good performances for both yeah. that they feel like such unique characters. Yeah. And she sells really, the torment of it. Yeah, she sells the torments. It, it almost feels like it could have been two different actresses performing the same person that just has the same face. I mean, it just, she does such a good job in it. I agree. Which brings us to the big finale. Effect and cause. A crash in the vortex leads the doctor to the source of all his trouble, and the Daleks. The answers are here if he can live long enough to find them. Bum, bum, bum. Go ahead, Sean. Um, this was satisfactory. It was a, a good ending. It's um, a little disappointing that it kind of becomes just another bootstrap paradox, uh, to wrap things up, but it was a good one, and it uh, managed to pull some uh, some some similar uh, or not similar, but some uh, familiar threads uh, going back to the thralls and uh, Davros and Genesis of the Daleks. Limited ones. We didn't get nearly as much of a uh, <laughs> tie-in there as what I was hoping for, but you know enough that it was you know ah there's a callback, and um, it was a good story. And again, well performed by our um, in, intrepid cast of returners. And by this stage, the, the overall impression I get from this box set, largely thanks to this payoff, is this is kind of the way to do one of these um, season-long mysteries. If you had done this kind of, I, I kept thinking to myself as 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 we went through this box set. This is how I wish Clara's story had panned out. I wish we'd have gotten an episode with this mm-hmm. mystery sprinkled every so often throughout several seasons. And I know we've talked about that before, but this one 
really kind of brought it home that even though it was all crammed together in two different box sets that as opposed to just two episodes of setup that it really would have benefited that mystery to have done it in this manner to really you know expanded on it and let it breathe um and so uh i i appreciated that element of it but overall i thought it i thought it was good it was a good ending it was a good finale and uh although you know <laughs> considering it's just the finale of the beginning of the prologue of the time war. <laughs> it's not not much of a finale when you think about it that's what I liked about it the best is that it finally gives us the the tie that that we're promised to the time war um you, we talked about it a little bit with uh bookshop how we it, we're led to understand that 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 the the war that they're talking about is the the time war happening um but this one i think sort of really kind of cements it in in the fact that the the fifth doctor doesn't recognize this gallifrey um and it's obviously in very far in his future um uh, i i like the idea that this is one of the first failed uh volleys and, and the doctor presumes that this is you know in retaliation to their meddling which would have been genesis of the daleks and uh i think that that works nicely for this is kind of how where they've decided to this is how the the the, the daleks kind of have started the the time war and or at least this is one of the the battles or events you know that that's happening. Although, it, uh, albeit secretly, the the Gallifreyans don't know what's happening, or the Time Lords don't know what's happening because they can't let them know because of this basically reality bomb that's going to erase all of their time and their you know their their history and existence. Um, so I, I like that. I also like the fact that the when this thing goes wrong and basically reverts a group of Daleks splits, basically a group of Daleks into a possible, uh, timeline that could have been had Davros not, uh, uh, meddled and to have them believe that they're pure Khaled's and they have these, not even doppelganger doppelgangers. It's their alternate self, on the outside, because as they die, the Dalek also dies that, you know, cor uh, correlates to him. And so I thought that was really kind of a neat concept. And the doctor, although it's a little frustrating that he works it out a little too late or uh, 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 not too late, but a little further down than I wish he had worked it out, um, it, it, which kind of makes him seem characteris characteristically kind of slow, but uh, I like that they come to that conclusion. And I also like to think that at some point, the Doctor, in, after the, the war is over and Gallist Frey was restored in uh, Time of the Doctor, I like to think that the Doctor went to Gallifrey and they have some sort of, you know, heroes of the, the Time War. And he entered their each of their, uh, you know, Khaled names into uh, this whatever memorial for, for, for the heroes of the, of the Time War. I think that would... I just I kind of imagined that thought that would be kind of a neat little nod if somebody would write that or something. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you what you said, Glenn. I, the idea that these were alternate versions of Daleks that had never mutated, so they were Khalids, was just such a cool idea, and that it was a side effect of this bomb that's about to go off but hasn't really, and just also. I thought it was a very clever way to have the fifth doctor involved in the time war without actually lit actually getting involved, skirting the edge of it where he doesn't really know what's going on and assumes it's some weird alternate timeline because it's just something the Daleks have done as opposed to what actually winds up being what happens. I think such there's a lot of really cool ideas here that they that they explore and execute really well. Yeah. And plus the the Khalids being willing to sacrifice themselves, um, proving they're better than what the Daleks are. I thought that was a a nice touch also. They all say who is Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? 
For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. So overall thoughts on the uh, entire story arc. It's a um, it's a good jump off. It is a it is a prologue, as Key said. It's an interesting way to work the Fifth Doctor into the proceedings, um, and knowing that uh, you know, well, assuming as fandom has long assumed that Genesis is the first volley in uh, in the in the time war, that uh, this you know, quote unquote chronologically. Uh, is is the kind of the next follow up that the Daleks retaliate and the Fifth Doctor gets caught up in that? It's 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 an interesting uh, it's an interesting uh, follow up to it. So I'm it's, looking forward to more. It's cool that the Doctor kind of acknowledges that oh this is probably retaliation because of what I had done. Yeah, yeah. Even though he doesn't know it's part of the time war. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. I think it's it's I, I think it's. It ends up being a satisfying, satisfying some of its parts. Um, it is definitely not one that you can go back and re-listen to at least very soon. Uh, as a whole, I think there are stories that I got as much out of or enjoyed as much the second time because they did sort of have small encapsulated stories. But going back through it and knowing where everything was going, it just really kind of took the mystery out of everything. So it's really not a a go back and listen to again. Uh, type story, but I, I think overall it was a, it's a neat concept, and I think that it, as you guys said, it's a neat way to kind of put the Fifth Doctor uh, near enough to the events of the Time War without actually putting the Fifth Doctor in the Time War. I think it's also really cool how they were able to get a company of actors and use them again and again for all eight stories in this and have given enough variety and find a good enough actors that can pull that off. I think that's one thing to appreciate, at least what I appreciated throughout the entire box set is it's the same people every time, but getting them to hear do different parts was really cool. Yeah, and this is one of the one, one of the first uh, sets that they did in lockdown. Uh, where the actors were actually performing from home, and it's it doesn't you can't tell at all the the, the quality. Yeah. And this is this is early in the process when they were just kind of shuttling things out to the to the performers, saying, "Okay, hook this up, see what you can do here. We'll talk you through it." And then eventually getting you know kind of tweaking that process and making it better and easier. This is early days when they were probably still stumbling over themselves and. It doesn't come across that way at all. You can't. The quality of the production is just as good as it is of anything they do in the studio. So kudos to them for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how <laughs> finding a way to pivot in, in the middle of a pandemic, and yet Big Finish manages to hit the ground running and not miss a beat. Yeah, muy muy impressive. Ben. All right, well, I'll tell you, we've got, uh, before we do what's next on the schedule, we should sort of kind of uh, maybe, I think we talked a little bit before about this, but so the listeners are kind of caught up. Um, and I wish I could give credit to this because I, I saw this timeline on Twitter uh, and someone had just used this timeline that we're using in order to effectively go through all of the events of the the time war and so we decided this was going to kind of the way we were going to do it and this is probably this isn't definitive but this is certainly a good approximation of how the events of the time war time war go and it's broken up into uh three parts it's got a prologue and then three acts and the prologue uh contains uh the first set of stories that we're going to be reviewing uh, also in that prologue are the Time Lord Victoria stuff, which we will probably just talk about briefly, but we're not going to go back and review those or, or, or redo those again. But just know that they take 
place in this. And then they, of course, they've got Act One. Uh, the Master takes advantage of the developing battle. Act Two, the Time War circles the Eighth Doctor, and then Act Three, the battle reaches a devastating conclusion. So each of these sectors are uh, very much around a certain idea. The Master's part act in part Act One, uh, the Eighth Doctor's involvement in Act Two, and then the War Doctor's uh, pretty much the uh, or the premise of the. Uh, third act and I will post this uh, timeline if anybody wants to follow along uh, the the graphic that we found uh, on our website and on Facebook uh, so if you want to follow along and, and listen along with us you can do so and but we want to kind of give again I wish I could give credit to who came up with this and this incredible graphic because it's it's a gorgeous gorgeous piece of artwork that they put together that's going to walk us mm-hmm. through i think we did discover because this was i think put together a year ago because the guy that originally did this and went through the process of listening to all this he uh started at the beginning i think of 2020 or maybe it's 2021 it must have been 2021 because i think he just finished a few months back uh and we realized that there's more stuff that's going to be i think we, there's a few more war doctor stories that we're going to be dropping in and i think maybe an eighth doctor uh box set that we're going to try to shoehorn into where we think those fit as well anyway so that's kind of the premise of what we're doing updated graphic when those come out yeah that would be nice and now i gotta find out who this was because i went back through all my stuff and i can't find the the tweet and the link that i got this from so i'll have to go back and see if i can do that again anyway that being said sean what do we have coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, uh, this is going to get a little tricky. Normally we try and, well, I was about to say we normally try and, you know, do things together, but anybody who's been listening to us knows that we skip around <laughs> a lot. Um, but we, we, we always try and, you know, keep them kind of grouped together. In order to do the time war in again air quotes chronological order according to this list we will be skipping around more than usual bear with us uh but coming up next our uh, series of reviews we will do ravenous three story one deep time frontier and two companion piece that will be the next uh review set for us on the show and then uh gallifrey Time War One, Celestial Intervention, and Time War Two, Soldier Obscura. So that takes you up to the next couple of uh, 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 shows for us. And again, schedule is posted on the website. Did you skip five fifteen, the War Master, or did you say that I missed it? Oh, uh, <coughs> yeah, apparently I did skip five fifteen, the War Master. Yeah, so between Ravenous and between Gallifrey, Time War One. We're doing the War Master the Two, War Master Two, the Master of Callus. So uh, we'll shoehorn that in there. I will correct <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you'll take this journey with us throughout this course of this year. Be sure to check our website, travelthevortex.com, for updates on the podcast. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on our patron link and consider supporting us. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast and make sure you join in the conversation in our listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else we need to do before we close this show's guys? Shows? Show? Shows. <laughs> shows? Show? If not, and close and, the shows. If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.